Hello! You are listening to Getting After Lefty, starring Gary Gatehouse, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have good questions on the show, like... Uh, Mr. Obama, sir, I have a, just a quick question, if I can. Um, I was wondering, you know, just uh, where... Uh, where the hell is your birth certificate? Well, here it is, Friday. And you're listening to the Gary Gatehouse Show, getting after Lefty. Coming to you from South Texas. Man, what a day down here. We had some big old thunder boomers roll through last night. Got some rain. Nice and cool today. Hope you all doing fine over there in Great Britain. All of Europe. Getting after Lefty Show, I hear, is uh, going to be coming your way shortly. And that's good. That's a good deal. You know, folks, I lived... I lived in England for, oh, I don't know, almost eight years. That's right, I did. And I was all over that country. I raced cars. Hung out down at the Brass Monkey down in London. I don't know if any of you blokes over there still remember the Brass Monkey or... Even if it's still there. I used to go in there and have a couple of pints just about every day. Loved it. Down there on Edgeware Road. Piccadilly Circus. I was over there in the 70s when everything was really, uh, I mean, really hopping. And like I said, I enjoyed it. I consider Great Britain, I consider England my second home. I really do. I love the people. People are fantastic. And if you make a friend with a Brit, you got a friend for life. I know I, one of my mates that I raced with over there, Tony Mary. Him and I raced, I don't know, three or four years together, motor raced. He passed away a few years ago. I hated to hear that. I found out about it through the grapevine. But that guy was, uh, <laughs> he was a true Londoner. And uh, he took me around all over London, showed me all the places uh, that the tourists never got to, never get to. And uh, I met a lot of guys and gals over there from England. And like I say, I enjoyed the country and I enjoyed the beer. I loved the bitter, pint of bitter beer. Loved it. Matter of fact, it ruined me. Once I came back across the pond to the USA... Why, hell, this stuff over here, and you know, like my mates used to call it back over there in Britain, they call it piss. Didn't have any kind of a body to it. Too many bubbles. But I tell you what, when they consumed about a six-pack of Budweiser or whatever, got to them real quick. Alcohol content, was, and those bubbles were just a little bit different than they were used to. But you know, folks... Trying to segue into what I'm going to talk about here at the monologue. You know the Obama Communist Democrat Party. That's what i got to call them because that's what the hell they are. Oh yeah, they call themselves progressives or they call themselves liberals. That's, that's BS. They're communist. And they are attempting to destroy... America. 
That says flat out what they're trying to do. They're attempting to destroy our health care system. Obama's already destroyed uh, our military combat force ability. I think they say now we only have one or two regiments that are combat ready. He's fired all the top-ranking generals and replaced them with his own lapdogs. And he's almost completed a job of destroying our intelligence agencies by planning, this is my opinion, being an intelligence dude and involved with it for 30 years. I know how things like this work. He's planted lies throughout the news media, not just in our country, but across the world. Turning them around, accusing his own intelligence agencies as spying on other countries and their leadership. And he's using that so he can literally tear our intelligence agencies apart, undermine them, hobble them, Make them so they are not have the don't have the ability to spy on his buddies over in the Middle East. And you know what, folks? He's doing a damn good job of it. He's just about finished destroying the integrity of the Federal Bureau of Investigations. He has declared an unspoken war on Christians because you see, and a lot of people laugh. But the guy is a Muslim, at the very least, a super Muslim sympathizer. After all, he was raised in his earlier years as a Muslim. He has completely destroyed our relationships with our allies. Our allies in Europe, allies in the Far East. He's undermining and made our ability to converse at a diplomatic level, very difficult. Because you see, the the diplomacy that he puts forward is one of turning his back on our allies. They have no trust in the leadership of America now. Oh, they still trust America. They still trust we, the people. They just don't trust the leadership the Obama and his minions. Obama owns the public schools. The Democrat Communist Party owns the public schools here in America. They are nothing more than communist indoctrination centers where our children march off every day, get off the yellow school buses, walk into the school, and the National Education Teachers Association teachers break out the curriculum books and begin teaching socialism slash communism. Oh yeah, it's 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 uh, camouflaged, it's disguised. But in the long term, the word communism and socialism creeps into everything from English teaching English to mathematics. Now Obama ha- and the Democrat Communist Party have the longest period of time, decades, been controlled by and operated by, and they also run 
behind closed doors, the national media. Because you see, folks, the national media, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, public broadcasting, all the printed media, they're nothing more than a propaganda machine for the Communist Democrat Party and Obama. They prop them up. They spin stuff, the news. They only report what is positive for those folks. They never report the truth unless that truth, and very little of it, reflects good on Obama and his minions. Now, the Democrat Party, through their propaganda machine and their indoctrination machine in public schools and universities, has successfully dumbed down over 50% of the population in our country. They've dumbed them down. Most of them don't know a damn thing about their country, about the Constitution, laws of the land, their history. And if they do know history... It's all been spun to make it politically correct and reflect only good on the left. They have dumbed down over 50% of the population to a point where they are fast approaching complete dependency on our government from cradle to grave. Now, working to abolish the Second Amendment has been one of the main objectives of the left for many, many, many years. They work at it tirelessly every day. And you know, folks, if you look at the overall picture of our country, it's in shambles. It's in shambles as far as diplomacy, economically, morally. It's just... It's a mess. And we have a liar-in-chief, Obama, who constantly lies to the American people. And ladies and gentlemen, patriots, and you folks in Europe, you've got to understand this. He suffers no repercussions for doing that. He suffers absolutely no repercussions whatsoever for lying to the American people. Because you see, most Americans, that 50% I was talking about that had been dumbed down, Why, they don't have time to raise up. They don't have no time to complain. They're getting everything they want from the government. A roof over their heads, a car to run around in, welfare, food stamps, a television in the front room, and they don't have to do a damn thing for it. Don't get me wrong. There are people out there on welfare and there are people on food stamps who have lost their jobs through their uh, employers are shut down, whatever, through no fault of their own. But you can point the finger at Obama. It's his fault. It's his fault the economy's in a shambles. And you know, folks, when we as Americans can no longer express our opinion, when we as Americans can no longer post on, say, like Facebook, when we as Americans have to depend on the government for every aspect of our life, at that point, my fellow patriots, Obama and the Communist Democrat Party 
has succeeded. Now, i got to say this to all you patriots out there and all you dumbasses out there that don't see anything wrong with what's going down. Patriots know, but you dumbasses who I'm talking to on this little bit of a monologue here. Hey, this is no video game. This is no damn reality show. Obama and his communist minions are destroying your country. Right in front of your eyes. And my question to you, all you dumbass 50% out there that are either asleep at the wheel or so damn dumb you don't understand what's going on, when in the hell are you going to stand up to this tyrant? Are you going or are you going to leave all of that to your children and future generations? Are you continuously going to hide behind your ignorance and at some point throw your hands up and say, this like Obama says, damn, I didn't know that. You're listening to the Getting After Lefty Show, powered by American ingenuity and good old capitalism. You want the truth? Nothing but the truth? Listen to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on freedominamericaradio.com. Oh, well, we're back. And you know, folks, especially you folks uh, over in Europe, you folks over in England, you know, uh, I'm just going to kind of drift back to when I was over there back in the 70s. And when I uh, I used to, you know, go into London all the time, and London was a fantastic place back then. And the majority of folks on the streets were British, if you get what I mean. Well, I happened to go back over there on business back in the 80s and early 90s. Back to London, and I could not believe my eyes. The whole landscape... The whole population had changed. Oh yeah, there were still Brits running around, if you get, and you know what I really mean. But there were so many people there that stood out as not really Brits. Not really the blokes I used to know, used to run with, used to race cars with. Used to go to Brands Hatch and Silverstone and oh, across the uh, old uh, Sweden and race, Germany. Weren't the same type of people, if you get my drift. Things had changed. It seems like, oh, I don't know, it just seems like uh, the British folks got pushed to the back of the bus. The real British folks, the real Englanders. And up stepped forward to the front of the bus were these people that stuck out like sore thumbs when I was over there. They were everywhere. And you know, I went back and uh, did a little studying on history as far as Europe. 
and Islam and the Muslims are concerned. And I ran against a, uh, a bit of history. I don't know, I think it's the 6th or 7th century back there that the Muslim horde invaded Europe. And they were knocking on the door of Rome. And along comes this guy, Charles Martel. They called him back then Charles the Hammer. And he pleaded with the leaders of Europe, please give me some money so I can raise an army and push these Muslims back. Please. If not, it's going to be an Islamic caliphate. And we all who have studied that know what that means. Well, after a while, seemed like a long while to Charles the Hammer Cartel, Martel, he got the money and he raised an army. And he fought the Muslims and he pushed them all the way out of Europe. They tried to take Europe over with a big, huge army. The Muslims did. But now, as I look at what's going on in Europe and what I've seen in the 80s and the 90s, and I know it's even worse now, they didn't have to spend one dime on a bullet or a spear or a gun or a ways and a means to get there, to get their army there. Why hell, they just waltzed in and through the, uh, I don't know, the uh, governments of England and France, Germany, the weakness in their ability to stand for the people of their country, they allowed it to happen. Through their spineless, cowardly, I would say, hiding behind their desk approach to tackling the problem of the Islamic culture in Europe. They have allowed the Islamic culture to literally rule Europe. To literally rule certain segments of England where they practice Sharia law with the blessing of the British government. Now, I'm not one that should be blowing uh, smoke about what's going on in Europe. All I have to do is turn around and look back across the pond to America, my homeland. Now, after 9-11, and when the dust was settling, after the terrorists attacked and killed over 3,000 Americans, a new department was formed called the Department of Homeland Security. It was formed to protect the motherland against future Islamic slash terrorist attacks on our soil. It was formed to gather intelligence and to counteract terrorist movements all across the world. 
It was formed to teach Americans what terrorism, who's behind it, what their uh, goals are, and to educate the American people on how, how to stand against terrorist activities. Well, we Americans have short memories. We Americans, we were all locking arms and singing all the great songs of America, God Bless America, the National Anthem, etc. Everybody was running around with American flags attached to their jackets, their t-shirts, their ball caps, on the backs of the bumpers of their cars, little kids wearing them, waving American flags. We all came together after 9-11. We came together and we vowed that this would never happen again. We swore that this would never happen to us or our families or future Americans ever again. Our military was thrown right, right smack dab in the middle of the Middle East, in Iraq, Afghanistan. Our intelligence collectors, the CIA, the NSA, were right there with them. Laying their lives on the line to protect the homeland, the motherland. And along comes 2008. And the United States of America... It's, it's short memory of 9-11. It's short memory of what went down that day. Had moved on. The American people had moved on. In 2008, they elected Barack Hussein Obama as President of the United States of America. A man who had no background whatsoever except as a community organizer and a little time spent in the U.S. Senate where he constantly voted present, hardly ever got involved with the politics of running America. A man who was raised as a Muslim. A man who was raised in an atmosphere of communism and socialism and Marxism, whether it be his mom, his uncles, his grandmother and grandfather, his mentors, people on college campus, whatever. He always seeked and sought out the communists, the protesters, those who were against America. This was all brought to light in America before they elected him. But they elected him anyway. And going back to the Department of Homeland Security, Obama installed into the Department of Homeland Security a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. His name is Mohammed Ilbrary, a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. Now we all know we who keep track stay on top of terrorism, 
and all the little tentacles that spread from it, we all know that the Muslim Brotherhood seeks a worldwide Islamic caliphate ruled by Sharia law or Islamic law and teaches followers teaches followers to help establish an Islamic state wherever they live. Wherever they live. Now you folks in Europe, that caliphate and Sharia law is now well established in your countries. It's well established. And it's working and seems to be working in that way here in my country. It's being established in major cities throughout the United States. Hell, some military bases even have mosques on them. And we know, we who have studied on the Quran, we who keep track of Islamic and Muslim religion, we know that Muslims... Those who follow Allah, those who owe their allegiance to Allah and Islam cannot make good citizenry of the United States or any country in Europe. Why? Because to be a good citizen of whatever country you come from or live in, as a national person who was born there, a citizen... Your allegiance lies with that country. You're proud of it. But that's not going to happen with Muslims. It's not going to happen. Their allegiance lies with uh, with, uh, Allah and the Muslim Islamic religion. Nothing else. The religion won't allow them to give allegiance to any other country or any other oath or any other religion. It's Islam. And now they are working their damnedest, their hardest, like little ants, little cockroaches, all over the world. And like I said, they have established themselves in Europe almost to the point where they can do as they damn well please. And for all you folks in Europe, I just want you to know that they are using our Constitution here in America, our laws, freedom of speech, etc. They're using those laws against we, the people of America. They are attempting to change the United States political landscape. They're using such words as xenophobia, Christians, and they identify themselves with all the things that the uh, Democrats in this country identify themselves with. When you speak out against a Muslim, you're a racist. When you speak out against a, a, a Muslim, you're, you're a Christian who's scared to give a little room for another religion. After all, 
we have freedom of religion in the United States. And ladies and gentlemen, they are using that against us. But all you have to do is look at the Christian minority in Egypt. A minority that believes in Jesus Christ. A minority that is being persecuted to the point of being killed, maimed, heads chopped off, churches burnt. Because you see, the religion of Islam says there is no other religion. And if you practice another religion, Muslims have to either convert you to Islam, own you as slaves, trade you as slaves, or kill you. It's simple as that. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after the Phyllis Schlafly Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, conservative icon, and the author of more than 20 books, including The Supremacists, Turbo Reader, and the revealing new book, The Flip Side of Feminism. And now, here's the president of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. There are many good reasons for Congress to defund Obamacare, but one surely is the sneaky, underhanded plan to give Obamacare jobs to foreigners instead of to our own citizens. Rank this with one of Obama's gross betrayals of the young people who voted for him. Obamacare allows states to outsource some of the well-paying jobs in science and technology to foreigners who are brought into our country on H-1B visas. While most media coverage about Obamacare has been about the exchanges, but federal tax dollars pay up to 90% of the cost to upgrade state Medicaid management information systems, and healthcare has become a very important market for outsourcing. For example, Illinois Governor Patrick Quinn granted one of the largest contracts to Cognizant Technology, one of the top corporations using H-1B visas, and he's going to outsource jobs to contractors from India. This contract awarded a $71 million contract that will pay salaries of up to $256,000 per year per position plus a 200000 slush fund for travel. After all, it's expensive to travel from India to Springfield, Illinois. This contract is to upgrade Illinois' Medicaid systems to meet the requirements of Obamacare. Cognizant filed paperwork with the U.S. Department of Labor to hire 60 senior analysts on H-1B visas at the annual pay rate of $76,000. Cognizant is busy recruiting consultants, coders, architects, medical billing specialists, and systems programmers. Cognizant's consulting fees of up to $256,000 per person per year will replace senior American managers. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Chances are you or someone you care about is unemployed or underemployed. At EagleForum.org, in a blog conversation with Phyllis Schlafly, we're weighing the causes and solutions of this national crisis. One thing is certain, more government spending is not the answer. Join the blog at EagleForum.org. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. I'm Marie Osmond. 
choices. Some are minor, others life-changing. But what if your small choices matter the most, like the stairs or the elevator, baked or fried? What if these small choices determine if you'll be the one out of every three women who die of heart disease this year? These choices might not seem life-changing today, but women are dying of heart disease at the rate of almost one per minute. Luckily, it's mostly preventable. Choose to act. Our hearts, our choice. Make your choice at GoRedForWomen.org. You're listening to the Getting After Lefty Show from South Texas. I'd like to say hi to all my listeners over in Australia. hope you're all doing fine wherever you're at in God's big world today over there in that beautiful land of Aussie land. You know, when I was in Vietnam, I served with some Australian guys in there, but there was a great bunch of guys. Tough as nails, that's for sure. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we have talked about the immigration reform in America for some time on the Getting After Lefty show. We have looked at every aspect of amnesty, the impact of amnesty on the American people, on our economy, the impact on our health care system, what's left of it, the impact on future generations. Now, I know you all over in England and Europe don't have to put up with uh, amnesty as we know it here in the United States. I know you don't have to put up with a horde of people coming into your nation from uh, a bordering country, namely Mexico, Colombia, whatever, South America. You have another problem. You have a problem where they're coming in from the Middle East. But here in America, the national media, many in our Congress including Republicans, with the names such as Rubio, McCain, Graham, and many others on the Republican side. We call them rhinos, Republican in name only. They're not really conservatives. They, oh, yeah, they like to say, yeah, we agree with conservatives. Yeah, we're right there with them. But they were the first ones to turn on a true conservative like Ted Cruz. Call him every name in a book. Call everything that they, he tried to do, they tried to uh, stop. But now, you know, when we're dealing with amnesty, where we have in this country, nobody has a true count, but it goes from anywhere from t- uh, 11 to 20 to 25 million illegals residing within the borders of the United States. When I say illegals, they have no green card. That's a, a card that they... that. People are issued that are not citizens of this country that can come into this country and stay for X amount of months or years under the green card. Once that green card runs out, they either have to get it re-registered or they have to leave. Well, most of them just stay because, you see, our government doesn't enforce our immigration laws. doesn't enforce them at all. Now, during the early 1900s, late 1800s, when many immigrants were flocking to the United States from Europe, namely Ireland, Great Britain, Germany, all over the place. My my ancestors came from Germany back in the 1800s and settled in down in Texas and in the Midwest. They had to come through Ellis Island, Statue of Liberty, I'm sure you're all familiar with that. 
or they had to come through other points within the United States where um, big ships were docking. And they had to go through a process of registering as an immigrant from whatever country. They had to have their health checked. They had to have uh, registration checked as far as uh, being law-abiding citizens of the country they came from. And then that was all done in a timely manner. And off they went to settle our great land and build it to what it is today. Without the immigrants of Europe, this country wouldn't be, would be a hill of beans. Let's face it, that's the truth. Well, now we're faced with another problem. First, our government does not honor, does not enforce our immigration laws. When people come across our border illegally, they bring third world diseases with them. Many of them are convicted killers, rapists, child rapists, sexual offenders, you name it. They come across our border illegally. And we have to put up with it. Our law enforcement agencies have to round them up when they break a law and throw them in jail, but most of them get out and stay here anyway. Because like I said, our immigration laws are not enforced. Thus, those 11 to 27 million illegals in this country are here living off the hard work and the backs of legal Americans, we who work and pay our taxes. And our taxes are shoveled into things like welfare state, food stamps, free health care, you name it. And illegals are taking advantage of it. Whether you want to believe it or not, Illegals in this country have it just as good as an American citizen. Just as good. They work on a job and are paid under the table for the most part. They pay no taxes, except when they purchase something. They have no idea what America is about. Furthermore, they could care less. Just like in Europe, when you have your Muslims and the people of Islam, they could care less about what England stands for, its vast history what Germany and France stands for in their vast histories, the history of Europe, they could care less. And that's the way it is in here in England, in in America. Now, spurred by the national and local debate on immigration reform and what is going down in America, we have been told that Latinos, Hispanics, traditionally are conservative. They look at conservative causes. They are family. They don't believe in gay marriage. They don't believe in abortion. They don't believe in anything that goes against the family, man and a woman, their children. But Latinos, Hispanics in America, traditionally align themselves with a Democrat, socialist, communist, progressive, liberal party. And they support it. And they support the candidates of that party. Prime example. Democratic Party and Latinos in Virginia. The fastest growing minority in that state, Virginia. And they are playing a larger than ever role in state political races this coming fall. Now there was a private reception in Mechanicsville 
to a voter registration drive in Woodridge, Virginia. Latino activists got out. They organized dozens of activities to support Democratic candidates, recruited volunteers, and made residents aware of campaign issues. Some activists are not even able to vote because they're illegal, but are enthusiastically involved all the same. Why? Because they know who's buttering their bread. You know, in recent years, turnout by the two constituencies has fluctuated wildly from election to election. The state's Latino population, I'm talking about Virginia now, the state's Latino population of 630,000 has soared by 92% since 2000. And 74% of Hispanic U.S. citizens in the state, about 214,000, are registered to vote. Of those, more than two-thirds identify themselves as Democratic, and about 71% voted for Obama last year. And one Latino said, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Just a few years ago, you would see maybe, oh, one Latino even a month before an election. Now we are having several a week, not just in Northern Virginia, but all across the Commonwealth. Said Del Alfonso Lopez, Democrat from Arlington, Virginia, who is running for re-election. You know, in Virginia, combined with Asian Americans, and that's another growing group of nearly 440,000, that also tends to vote Democratic, analysts say the new American vote is poised to have a significant impact on current state races and even greater effect in the future as Virginia continues to diversify. Now, there's a big word right there. Diversify. That's a big liberal, communist, socialist word, if I've ever heard one. You know, the Democrat demographics of Virginia have changed quite significantly. And we, as Americans, are seeing much more political engagement and organization by Latinos and Asian American groups and state politics. Very bluntly, very bluntly folks, Groups that attracted little attention 15 years ago are now an important driving force in elections in the state. And they're all signing up as Democrats, most of them. Latinos are heavily involved in the gubernatorial campaign of Democrat Terry McAuliffe. Both as, a campaign, both as campaign staffers and as volunteers in numerous counties and uh, cities. Terry McAuliffe, who supports immigration reform, is running Spanish-language ads on Univision, a Spanish television station uh, concern, and Telemundo TV, and has created La Latinos con Terry, Latinos for Terry, steering committee with more than 300 members across the state. Now, his rival, Republican rival Ken Cuccinelli, has done more limited outreach to Latino voters, chiefly through the creation of an advisory group in September called Niestro Cuninelli. The group has an English-language website, and the campaign has sent representatives to several Latino enclaves and businesses and cultural events. But you know, folks, 
We've been told by the media, we've been told by the Democrat Party, and we've been told by just about anybody that wants to toot their horn that Hispanics in the Hispanic community, American Latinos, are conservative. They support the party, but in in, uh, all reality, they support the party of murder, abortion. They support the party of big government. They support the party of communism. They are by no stretch of the imagination conservative and don't let anyone, don't let anyone tell you they are. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few short messages. You're listening to the Getting After Lefty Show, broadcasting on the WWW on the GAL Network, all the way from South Texas. The Getting After Lefty Show with your host, Gary Gatehouse. Every Friday, when we get after Lefty. You're listening to the Getting After Lefty Show on Radio Free America. And soon you're going to be listening to the Getting After Lefty Show on CPR Radio. Be broadcasting there at 4.30 a.m. in the morning. Kind of a wake-up call to all you folks over in Europe. You know, folks, we have a person who stands in front of us each and every day, in front of his controlled media, his propaganda machine, mainstream media. I call him Pravda West, and he stands there every day. You can see his face on television just about every day, making asinine statements, out-and-out lies, talking out of both sides of his mouth. And he stands there and well over 50% of the American people buy into it. Well, America, did you know that unemployment payout since the year 2008, the year he first took office, the employment unemployment rates are at a record level? The federal government, we the people, have paid $252 billion in benefits during, during the recession. The federal government, we the people, have paid out $881 million weekly unemployment benefit checks during the current economic slowdown, totaling $252 billion since the year 2008, the year he took office. Now this is according to a new memo that was released last Wednesday by the House Ways and Means Committee up in Congress. During and after recessions, 
Federal taxpayers step in to pick up the tab for long-term unemployment benefits when state benefits expire. We the people who get on, are in our cars, on our bicycles, motorcycles, however we do it every day, get up and go to work, bust our buns to make a living to support our kids, our families, or ourselves, or our girlfriends, whatever. We not only support ourselves, we are supporting to the tune of $252 billion in payouts the long-term unemployment benefits, some to those folks that through no fault of their own lost their jobs, whatever, but many of them have been on the dole forever. They're professionals at it. They know how to milk the system. Now, long-term unemployment is considered to be a temporary program. But in this case, it runs for five freaking years and is paid out far more than in previous three recessions combined. Now, committee Republicans said 24 million people have received long-term unemployment benefits compared with 8 million during and after the 1982 and 2002 recessions and 9 million after the 1991 recession. And the average recipient is out of a job for far longer, collecting 38 weeks of benefits compared with a high of 17 weeks after 1991. But see, you see, folks, This is just another day in what is fast becoming a third world country, America. And I'm sure if those numbers were ran by Obama, he would say he had no idea. He had no idea this is how bad it is in America. He had no idea about Benghazi. He had no idea about Fast and Furious. He had no idea about the utter, complete failure of his so-called Obamacare program. He had no idea whatsoever of anything. When he's not playing jokes on his fellow uh, staffers, or out on the golf course playing golf, or trying to figure out new ways behind closed doors to hoodwink the American people. Bring new ways in, as far as ideas go, to bring more Muslims into his administration. Figure out new ways to demean and undermine the Christian religion in our country, the founding religion of our country, a Judeo-Christian country. When he's not doing all those things, I guess he's up in his room playing tiddlywinks with a pair of earplugs in his ears or maybe listening to rap music or maybe playing grab-ass with one of his staff members. Then when he gets in front of the American people and something is presented to him, a fact or a figure that has impacted on us all, that is detrimental to the very existence of this country, He says, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I didn't know it until I read it in the newspaper. I didn't know it until I heard it on television. And you have the national media making excuses for him, saying, well, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. He works tirelessly. 
He is doing so much for the good and the betterment of America, of America that maybe some things do fall between the cracks. Maybe some things get by him. He's not informed by his staff, etc. And the media day after day makes excuses for him. And he stands up there and takes full advantage of it and lies to the American people with no bloody repercussions whatsoever. And 50% of the American people continue down the road, heads bowed, praying to socialism, praying to the ideology of their Savior Obama, putting their hand out, whether it be left or right, asking it to be greased once more for, for by hard-working Americans, asking it to be greased once more for the welfare handouts, the food stamp handouts, because you see, they deserve it, they're Americans. No matter how long they've been on them, whether it be 15 years or their whole damn life. Ladies and gentlemen of America, somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, when we as Americans can no longer express our opinion, when we as Americans can no longer post on Facebook, when we as Americans have to depend on the government for every aspect of our life, when we as Americans just say that's the way it is. At that point, fellow patriots, Barack Hussein Obama Jr. and the Communist Democrat Party has succeeded. You know, like I said, this is no video game. This is no damn reality show. Obama and his communist minions are destroying our country. And the question is, the big question is, patriots, when the hell are we going to stand up against this tyrant? Or are we going to continue to hide behind the skirts of our wives and daughters? Talking to you young men out there? Or the skirts of your mama? Are we going to stand up against this tyrant? Or are we just going to leave all that, all that mess, to our children? You are listening to the Gary Gatehouse Radio Show. Gary will be back after the clock's five-minute news break. Radio, I'm Pam Puso. They're expected to converge on Black Friday in Chicago's busiest shopping district. Holiday bargain hunters and protesters with the Black Lives Matter movement. Demonstrators are planning to march Friday morning to bring attention to the 2014 shooting of black teenager Laquan McDonald by a white police officer. Many wondering why Officer Jason Van Dyke was not charged for Laquan's death until this week if police had the dash video the whole time. The officer's lawyer says that video does not tell the entire story. Fox's Tom Graham video of that shooting was released on Tuesday. Since then, there have been a number of demonstrations. The subway system in Brussels is expected to fully reopen on Friday. The city's terror alert taken down to its second highest level. Authorities say the threat of an attack is no longer imminent. 
In light of what's happening overseas, U.S. officials could be keeping an even closer eye on possible ISIS sympathizers here at home. Fox News has now learned that the number of high surveillance cases is more than 48 inside the U.S., and the Bureau is using its elite training squads known as the mobile surveillance teams. With existing security at airports and transit hubs across the country intensified, with these armed patrols and bomb-sniffing dogs, a member of the Senate Intelligence Committee would not discuss specific ISIS cases or the number, but said it is a major commitment of the FBI's resources. Fox's Catherine Herridge in Washington. Agreement between France and Russia to exchange intelligence and increase airstrikes against ISIS. Terrorism is our enemy. We know it. It has a name. It's Daesh. French President Francois Hollande threw a translator. The two nations also agreeing to work together on selecting ISIS targets. They remain at odds over Syrian leader Bashar Assad. Fox News Radio, fair and balanced. Real experience, real insight. We're following this explosive story. Nothing gets by Greta. Then. This is all BS. What was that all about? There's no spin and no question. O'Reilly dominates. Plus, smart, sharp, and cutting edge. It's the news of the day, but with a little heat. Megan delivers. And Sean seals the deal with fearless talk. What part of that are you understanding? Most watched. Most trusted. Fox News Channel. There's more to Fox News Radio than meets the ear. Go behind the headlines and join the conversation on the hottest stories of the day on the Fox News Radio Facebook page. Be a part of the Fox News Radio Facebook fan community. Post comments and tell us your opinions. See behind-the-scenes photos and videos and post your reactions to the stories that matter to you. Click the like button on Facebook and connect with breaking news and features like Fox in the Fast Lane, House Call for Help, and more. Go to Facebook.com slash Fox News Radio. There may be a sad ending to a missing persons case in Kansas. What started with an armed disturbance at a home in Kansas City, Kansas, leads to a grisly discovery on Thanksgiving Day. Human remains found in a shed. Police say they got a search warrant after responding to the disturbance call Wednesday. During that investigation, they learned a seven-year-old boy had been missing for some time and might be dead. The remains found not yet identified. Police haven't said who the missing boy is or exactly how long he's been missing. A man was taken into custody with no charges filed yet. Lisa Brady, Fox News. A Louisiana man got angry when his parents ordered fast food and didn't include him. So angry, the police say Ronald Pritchett killed his father and stabbed his mother. The 32-year-old was arrested in neighboring Mississippi on Thanksgiving. He faces a slew of charges, including murder. It goes well with Thanksgiving dinner a heaping portion of football. The Detroit Lions rolling by the Philadelphia Eagles in the Calvin Johnson Show. Johnson is there for the touchdown. Number three on the day for Calvin Johnson. The Lions wide receiver with three touchdowns. Matt Stafford with five touchdown passes as the Lions win 45-14 on Fox. After that, it was Tony Romo throwing three first-half interceptions, two of which were returned for touchdowns. Second and 13, Romo. I can see you. He's intercepted by Keekley. 
Keekly inside the 20 to the 10 and to the end zone for another Panther defensive touchdown. Romo then going off hurt once again, holding his shoulder as the Carolina Panthers go 11-0 with their win over the Cowboys on CBS. Chris Honig, Fox News. If you didn't catch the games, you may have caught some deals. Many Americans hit the stores as soon as the Thanksgiving dishes were cleared at Macy's flagship store in New York. About 100 people lined up. Pam Pusso, Fox News Radio. Gary Gatehouse and the Getting After Lefty Show. All the way from South Texas. Stand by. Here's Gary. Well, here it is, Friday again. Hope you all have had a great week. Earns lots of money. What there is of it out there. Seems like Obama wants it all, doesn't he? He stands up in front of that television every damn day just about. See his ugly damn face up there. Telling us the American people were soft. Telling us we need to give more money back to the government so he can give it away to his buddies and friends, you know, half a million bucks to some solar panel company that failed. But he doesn't see anything wrong with that, folks. After all, it's not his money. It's just our money that we send up there every damn year, every damn day, month, in the form of federal income tax. Send it up to Washington, D.C., inside the Beltway to all those folks up there that we elected, we hired, through the ballot box to represent us, to represent the Constitution, to represent our country, to stand for the oath of office that they took. Yeah, that's right. They took an oath of office, just like any military guy that takes an oath when he... uh, he or she enlist in the military, swearing that they will stand by the Constitution, support the United States, and protect it from enemies within and outside the borders of the United States, even if it means laying their life down to do it? Well, these pukes, these so-called representatives of the people, the people that walk down the hallowed halls of Congress with their little uh, notebooks and their little attache cases attached to them, feeding off all the reporters from ABC and CBS and NBC and all those other left-wing Pravda West news media outlets, just wanting to get a little interview, wanting to get a little comment, from those folks we hired that call themselves senators and representatives, those folks that traveled the inside the Beltway cocktail set or circuit, those folks that traveled back and forth from their, from their home state to spread the lies to their constituents and tell them they're doing a damn good job up there, all those folks up there that we that send out mail. Uh, 
mailings to us in the mail with, I did this and I did that. Look at what I did here and I did there. You know, you see them, you get them in the mail. Your congressman, your senator. And always at the bottom. Always at the freaking bottom of that page. It asks you a question. Well, how much are you going to donate today, sucker? How much money are you going to donate to my campaign so I can stay up there in Congress and represent you and do all the good things I've been doing for you? You see them. You get them in the mail, like I said. Great big old fancy envelopes with printed uh, color pictures of the congressmen or representatives on the front page and a whole litany of things that they supposedly done for you or the country. Now along our country's broke. 30 to 40 trillion dollars in debt or more. 14 to 18 million people on welfare, food stamps. Unemployment through the roof. Socialism going full speed down the road of destruction in Congress. Have a man in office at the White House who doesn't deserve to be there, should not be uh, be there because he's ineligible. But yet we have a Congress that continues to tell us that they are standing up for us. The people, the very people who hired them and sent them to Washington, D.C. You know, folks, there comes a time in a country's uh, makeup, in a country's uh, population, when that population steps back and looks at what's going on from A to Z, and says, God darn it. I've had enough of this crap. I'm fed up with it. I don't want this anymore. But yet in our country, that time has not showed its head yet. When are the American people, collectively, going to say to Congress, and to that usurper in the White House, Your time's finished. You're done. You're toast. Now, we have a bunch of people up in uh, New York City right now, up on Wall Street, carrying signs, protesting. And what they want, the bottom line, what these people want, these youths, these younger folks, The bottom line is what they want is a nanny state. They want the government to take care of them from cradle to grave. And I tell you what, folks. When you look at what they're protesting, you look who's on the scene, the AFL, CIO, all the different unions. You look at who's backing this, the Communist Party USA, Young Socialist League, Socialist of uh, America, 
the Democrat Socialists of America, the Black Caucus, the President of the United States, the usurper, you cannot tell me that this has not all been orchestrated with such players as Van Jones, such players as Barack Hussein Obama Jr., such players as Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid, You know, they stood up there. They called us conservatives every damn name in the book, from Nazis to hillbillies to ignorant to dumbasses, racist. We get a union leader in Chicago that stood up there in front of the crowd, God, and everybody and called us son of a bitches. And I bet O'Daly and his henchmen are right there in New York City today. Rallying up the crowd. Getting them going. Folks, like I said, if this has not been orchestrated, has not been orchestrated by the Obama regime and all the socialist, Marxist, communist organizations in our country, then I'll eat this army go-to-hell hat that I have on my head right now. These folks know what they're doing. They've been around for a long time. They've been building up to this for a long time. When I mean long time, I mean decades. They tried things like the anti-war movement, and they were very successful at what they did back in the 60s. They generated a whole generation of individuals out of the 60s that went on to be professors and teachers in college and high schools and grade schools who signed on to the socialist Marxist communist ideology who now teach it to our kids and those same damn kids are up in New York City right now carrying signs against their own country against the own their own form of economy the capitalist society that we live in that uh, society that puts clothes on their backs, gas in their cars, the cars they haul their ass around in, the cell phones they talk on, the telephones they uh, ring up mom and dad on to ask them for more money, the televisions they watch, the CNN, all of that crap. Capitalism provided every bit of that. Whether they got it by working, these young folks, or someone giving it to them, supporting them. You know, folks, we have a whole generation of people out there. I'd say between the ages of 20 and, I don't know, 45 or 50, that don't know what the hell to do when it comes to work. They would rather the government provide them the bare necessities to survive on, and that being a cell phone, a television, a refrigerator full of beer and booze, and maybe a few dollars in the form of a welfare check or a grant or whatever. That's all they care about. That's all they want. America, all you veterans out there of past wars, all you military folks that are getting out of the military, and I don't blame you, 
All you moms and dads, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles that still believe in America, still believe in a capitalist way, still believe that we are the greatest nation on the face of the earth, you had better kick it into high gear. Because Obama and his regime have got a plan. Now, there's a lot of us out there that have had this gut feeling for a long time, and it's coming more and more to a head. We see more and more of the plan coming into fruition. We see what Obama's up to. A lot of folks are saying there won't be a 2012 election. You know, I'm becoming more and more convinced that they're right. I think Obama and the socialist, Marxist, communist, Democrats do have a master plan. And it's all built on the assumption they can shut us down, lock us in our houses, and take over this country. We'll be right back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. Stay tuned. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's the founder of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. Pew Research Center estimated that 340,000 children are born annually to citizens of Mexico and other foreign countries who are living illegally in the United States. And that does not include children born to birth tourists who are primarily from Asian countries, which the Center for Immigration Studies estimates could be as high as 36,000. These children are called anchor babies because their presumed U.S. citizenship enables their parents to access a variety of benefit programs intended for U.S. citizens and makes it so much easier for the entire family to continue living here illegally. Liberals claim that our Constitution guarantees automatic U.S. citizenship to all children born on American soil. And it is true that the 14th Amendment begins with the words, All persons born or naturalized in the United States are citizens of the United States. But in between those two phrases is a very important qualification, and that's often left out of the quote. Those words are, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. What that forgotten phrase means is that when someone born here is subject to the jurisdiction of another nation, that child does not become automatically a U.S. citizen. By filing a legal brief in a Texas lawsuit last month and submitting sworn testimony, Mexico officially admitted that children born to its citizens living illegally in the United States remain subject to the jurisdiction of Mexico. The Mexican consul, in his sworn testimony, says, My responsibilities include protecting the rights and promoting the interests of my fellow Mexican nationals living abroad. Mexico's assertion of continuing jurisdiction over its nationals abroad is inconsistent with anybody's claim that automatic U.S. citizenship is granted to babies merely because they were born on U.S. soil. For up-to-date information on why amnesty and guest worker plans are mistakes and on how illegal immigration makes U.S. taxpayers pay heavy additional costs for schools, hospitals, Medicaid, prisons, and all social benefits, 
Write Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002. Ask for Immigration Facts or visit our website, eagleforum.org. That's eagleforum.org. Then join us daily for more on the Phyllis Schlafly Report. I'm 54 years old, mother of three. For years, I've experienced shortness of breath. It was holding me back, making it hard to do some of the things that were important to me and my kids. Then I heard about something called COPD. It's a serious lung disease that as time goes by, makes it hard to breathe. And COPD is the fourth leading cause of death. That got my attention. So I talked to my doctor and took the simple breathing test. I found out I have it. I have COPD. But now that I know, I'm taking steps to make my breathing easier again. And I'm getting back to doing more things with my family. Doing things I want to do. If you have shortness of breath, talk to your doctor about COPD and get a simple breathing test. Learn more. Breathe better. Go to www.learnaboutcopd.org. A message from the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. People trapped by drug or alcohol addiction often feel like there's no hope, no way out. But for every lock, there's a key. And if you have a problem, it's good to know there are real solutions to help you get free. For drug or alcohol treatment referral for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Some startling information just, you know, came out in the last few days. Some information that a lot of us probably already, I don't know, had it parked in the back of our brains kind of by observation. We kind of knew this this stuff I'm getting ready to talk about anyway. Just through observation of what's going on around us. You know, when you go to the mall or you go to down to Walmart or I don't know, go to any public outing or gathering. You kind of look around and you kind of look at uh, some of the youth and especially the guys and you say, dang, what the heck's going on here with our guys, our young guys in America? You know, folks, for the first time in history, for the first time in the history of this country, 
women are better educated, more ambitious, and arguably more successful than men. Nowadays, society has rightly celebrated the ascension of one sex. We said, uh, you know, you go girl, and they went. They took off. And we all celebrate the ascension of women, but what will we do about what appears to be the very real decline of the other gender, the male gender? You know, the data does not bode well for men in this country. In 1970, men earned 60% of all college degrees. That's when I got mine. In the 1980s, the figure fell to less than 50%. By the year 2006, it was just 43%. Women now surpass men in college degrees by almost 3 to 2. Women's earnings grew 44% in real dollars from 1970 to 2007, compared to a dismal 6% growth for American men. You know, way back in 1950, way back in 1950, 5% of men at the prime working age were unemployed. 5%. As of last year, 20% were not working. The highest ever recorded in our country. Men still maintain a majority of the highest paid and most powerful occupations, but women are catching them and will soon be passing them if this trend continues. The warning signs for men stretch far beyond, far beyond their wallets. American men are more distant from a family or their children than they ever have been. The out-of-wedlock birth rate is more than 40% in America. 40%! And I want to stop right there. And I want to repeat that. The warning signs for men stretch far beyond their wallets. Men are more distant from a family or their children than they have ever been before. The out-of-wedlock birth rate is more than 40% in America. 40%. The out-of-wedlock birth rate is more than 40% in America. Now, my grandma always said when it comes to sex, it took two to tango. This is not by happen chance that it's only one-sided. In order to have that child out of wedlock, there had to be two individuals, a man and a woman. So we can say that the birth rate, out of wedlock birth rate is more than 40% of America. It lays at the feet of both men and women, not just the men. In 1960, only 11% of children in the United States of America lived apart from their fathers. In the year 2010, last year, that share has risen to 27%. Men are also less religious than ever before. And according to a Gallup poll, 39% of men reported attending church regularly in 2010 compared to 40 47% of women. 
Now, folks, you moms and dads out there, you grandmothers and grandfathers, that have a young man in your life, a son, a grand, a grandson, I want you to think about this. If you don't believe the numbers that I've just been spouting, if you don't believe the numbers that I have just been quoting, if you have a young woman in your life, a daughter or a granddaughter, ask them about men today. I think you'll find them talking about prolonged adolescence and men who refuse to grow up. I've heard too many young women asking, where are the decent single men? Where are they? Ladies and gentlemen of America, moms and dads, grandmothers and grandfathers, young men of America, there is a maturity deficit among men out there, and men are falling behind. They're falling apart. They're falling into the chasm of, I don't give a damn, I can't do it, I don't care, leave me alone. Now, a lot of people are going to jump on Gary Gatehouse with the next statement I make. But I'm going to make it anyway. Way back in 1973, as far as I am concerned, my opinion is that way back in 1973, when the military draft was done away with, that's when our young men of America started falling behind. That's when our young men of America started falling for ever feminist, ever lie told to them about, you know, you need to get your feminine side together. It's okay to cry in public. Big men cry. It don't make any difference. Cry on a stage. Cry in front of a political group. It don't mean a damn thing. You're still a man. And besides that, get the hell out of the way. You're not worth a damn anymore. Leave us alone. We women are taking over. That's what the feminists told them. The feminists told them to stop being macho. The women's, the women's movement, the feminist movement, and society told men to stop acting like men, find some other way to act. And by God, they did. They started acting like a bunch of feminine little wusses. Look around you today. You know, this decline in founding virtues, work, marriage, and religion, has caught the eye of all these socialist commentators from all corners. In an article written by Hannah Rosen, The End of Men, she unearthed the unprecedented role reversal that is taking place today. Men has been the dominant sex since, well, the dawn of man, the dawn of mankind, cavemen on. But for the first time in human history, that role is changing. And with shocking speed, this lady writes, a lady, Miss, Mrs. Uh, Hannah Rosen writes this, the changes in modern labor from backs to brains have catapulted women to the top of the workforce, leaving men in the dust, in their dust. She goes on to ask the question, are women leaving men behind? You know, folks, man's response, American male's response has been pathetic. Today, 18 to 24, 
34-year-old uh, men spend more time playing video games, playing more time playing video games a day than 12 to 17-year-old boys do. While women are graduating from college and finding good jobs, too many men are not going to work, not getting married, and not raising families. Women are beginning, beginning to take the place of men in many ways. This has led some to ask, do we even need men? What does the word men or man mean anymore? It don't mean a hill of beans to a lot of women, and it don't mean a hill of beans to a lot of so-called men. Now, if you look back in history, you don't have to go any further than the 1940s to see what real men were in America. Men that stood for themselves, stood for their families, stood for responsibility, hard-nosed individual, individuals who took it upon themselves to raise a family, help raise a family, Go to work every day and, yes, fight a damn war. Out of that group of men came folks that were born during wartime or right right thereafter. And I think, like I said, in 1973, when the draft was done away with, it destroyed the American male. Why, Gary? Why? Why? Why is that? Stop and think about it. When males were drafted for two years, they were given a set of things that they could stand for. They were told how to be men. They were taught how to lead and how to follow. They taught, were taught how to accept some pain accept some struggle, and fight back and get through it. If nothing else, they were taught how to shine their shoes and tie their shoes, how to make a bed, how to clean their clothes, how to clean themselves, how to keep their hair and their body in, in sh uh, top shape. And most of all, how to be responsible. If nothing else, that's what the draft gave young American men that went in for two years. If nothing else. But along came 1973 and said, we don't need a draft anymore. We can have an all-volunteer army. So what did Mer American men do? They ran and hid from the responsibility of protecting their country, of protecting their families. They said, to hell with it. Some dumbasses out there that joined the military, I don't care. It's their, their prerogative. I'm not going to do it. So we ask. So what's wrong? So what's wrong with this? You know, increasingly, the message to boys about what it means to be a man are confusing. Now you got the machoism of the street gang, and that calls out with swagger, foul words, foul language, dressing like a, like a rag picker with your pants hanging off the back of your ass. Video games that tell you you're a man because you can go in and kill 45 people with your little matchbox or your game uh, game boy or whatever. 
Hey, look at me. I'm a combat soldier. I killed 45 guys a day, and I know every weapon they carry. Well, were you in the military? No, I played the video games, man. What do you mean? Hell, there's guys out there today to talk about how they ran a touchdown or how they pitched a no-hitter. Oh, yeah, you on a football team, a baseball team? No, I played the video games. Then you've got music and television. And they offer dubious lessons to boys who have been abandoned by their fathers and sometimes even by their mothers or both. You know, you got coaches and drill sergeants that bark. What kind of a man are you? But don't explain. I beg to differ there. In the military, they explain what kind of man you should be. And on the football field and the baseball field, men, young men, learn lessons. How to get along with each other. How to be a team player. How to give and uh, take direction, guidance, and how to accept defeat and bounce back and go at it again. But the majority of American males today are missing out on that. Now, folks, you have movies today coming out of Hollywood, and they're filled with stories of men who refuse to grow up and refuse to take responsibility in relationships, and that's all glorified. All these dumbass white males, for the most part, on the movie screen, don't know which ends up, and they're being led around the country, around their house, around their neighborhood, by a woman who's got their finger hooked up in the guy's nose and dragging from behind saying, Come on, dumbass, I'll show you how to do it. Now, men, some are obsessed with sex. Treat women as toys. And you can say that today about women. You can reverse that. They treat each other as sex toys. To be disregarded or discarded when things get complicated, when things get tough. Through all these different and conflicting signals, our boys, our guys, must decipher what it means to be a man. And for many of them, it is harder to figure out. Because society's telling them that being a man is the wrong thing to do. To being a real man isn't the way it is in 2011. You know, folks, for boys to become men, they need to be guided through advice, habit, instruction, example, and correction. It is true in all ages. Someone once characterized these two essential questions. Plato posed as, who teaches the children? And what do we teach them? Each generation of men and women have an obligation to teach their younger males, and females, of course. Coming behind them, all those folks that are growing up behind adults today have an obligation to teach their younger, the younger males and females the right way to be. How to be a male, how to be a female. There was a guy way back in when, Williams Wadsworth, who said, and I quote, What we have loved, others will love. And we will teach them how. When they fail in that obligation, trouble surely follows. Folks, we need to respond to this culture that sends confusing signals to young men. A culture that is 
is just complete void of God. A culture that does not, you know, even know what it wants men to be. Men today don't have a clear and achievable notion of what manhood is. You know, the founding fathers believed, and the evidence still shows that the industriousness, marriage, and religion are a very important basis for male empowerment and achievement. We may need to say to a number of our 20-something men, get off your ass, get off the video games, get yourself together, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, chin up, get a challenging job, and by God, get married. It's time for men to man up, folks. You know, when I was growing up, my father told me, if you go out tonight on that date, Gary, and you jump in the back seat and you get that girl pregnant, by God, you're going you're gonna to own up to it. You're going to marry her and take care of her and that child. So I suggest to you, don't do that type of thing until you're ready to get married. That's all old cliche now. That is all so corny, what I said to these young men and women today and their parents. It's never even thought ever brought up. Folks, America has dropped the ball. We've all dropped the ball, including myself, on helping the younger males out in this country. We cannot afford to let them fade away into oblivion. We can't afford to let them set off in some dark corner somewhere and watch the rest of the world go by. Because there will come a time in this country when the female side of the uh, equation and the male side will have to put up or shut up. There will come a time in this nation when these folks are going to say, who's going to protect me? Who's going to protect me from those folks coming down the street knocking on my door? Who's going to protect me from this army that's coming to our shores? The time is coming, not now maybe, but sometime down the road, when we're going to have to look to some group of people, not just that 1% that is now protecting our country, but a large, huge group of men that are real men to stand up shoulder to shoulder and protect their women. Protect fellow men that are too weak, too feeble, whatever, to protect themselves. That time is coming. And we don't and if we don't have a male population in this country that has confidence in themselves as men, real men, if we don't have a population of males in this country that are leaders, if we don't have a population of males in this country that can be led by other males into battle, into politics, whatever, then this country is doomed. It's finished. Whether you want to admit it or not. We'll be back after the Phyllis Shafley Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, popular speaker, and the author of 20 books, including the book Feminist Fantasies that reveals the feminist influence on the media, on college campuses, and writing in children's classrooms. 
Now here's the president of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. Communist China is a killer of U.S. jobs, not only from U.S. outsourcing, but also by taking thousands of construction jobs right here in the U.S.A. China will soon finish rebuilding the great San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge that was damaged in the 1989 earthquake. A Chinese company built the construction machinery and the bridge segments in China and is now installing them in California using 3,000 imported Chinese workers who are paid only $12 a day, working 7 a.m. till 11 p.m. seven days a week. China has already built seven U.S. schools and bought a large chunk of real estate in Toledo, Ohio, and oil and gas fields in Texas. China has contracts to build a 4,000-room casino in Atlantic City and to refurbish the Alexander Hamilton Bridge over the Harlem River. In Idaho, China is using a federal program that grants permanent residency to foreign nationals. Surprise, surprise, the Chinese industries in Idaho will be staffed by imported Chinese workers. Barack Obama's job czar, Jeffrey Immelt, is creating hundreds of jobs in China, but not in the United States. When CEO of General Electric, he closed all GE's Edison light bulb plants and opened a light bulb plant in China. Now GE is moving its 100-year-old X-ray division from Wisconsin to Beijing. GE is pursuing a joint venture with China to build the avionics for a new commercial plane that will compete with Boeing. Of course, China will use this technology for military purposes, too. The new Martin Luther King Memorial should be stamped Made in China. It was sculpted in China by a Chinese sculptor out of Chinese granite and even assembled in the United States by imported Chinese workers. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. Do you believe the judicial branch of government is seizing too much power? Go to eagleforum.org and join the blog conversation with Phyllis Schlafly. Put your opinions on the record before the courts take away your right to be heard. Stay informed and add your own comments to the blog at eagleforum.org. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Hey, this is Tex Officer down here in Texas. When I'm not rocking the house, I like to listen to the Getting After Lefty show with Gary Gatehouse. Gary is exposing the liberal socialist agenda. He is kicking liberals' asses and taking names. You keep it up, Gary. We're growing like a big old army. This is Jeff Gordon. You don't have to be a NASCAR driver to be someone's hero. You can be a hero when you volunteer to become a marrow or blood stem cell donor for someone that has a life-threatening blood disease. The National Marrow Donor Program needs donors like you so that more people can receive transplants. You could save a life and become a hero. Learn more at www.marrow.org or by calling 1-800-M-A-R-R-O-W-2. It's Gary Gatehouse, and you're listening to the Getting After Lefty Show all the way from South Texas. That's right. Broadcasting on the WWW all the way around the world. Hope you're having a great day wherever you're at. And don't forget, every Friday, the Getting After Lefty Show when we get after Lefty.
Rudolph's coming on tonight. Well, folks, we all know Hank Williams Jr. is uh, finished. ESPN in its politically correct mode has told uh, Hank Williams Jr., you know, uh, don't need your services anymore. That theme song you just heard has been on the air for some time, will not return to ESPN Monday Night Football. You know, in the wake of Hank Williams using an analogy involving Adolf Hitler and President Barack Hussein Obama Jr. to make a political point on Fox News Channel, Hank Williams and all his ratty friends will no longer be a part of Monday Night Football, the opening of. ESPN said, we have decided to part ways with Hank Williams Jr., We appreciate his contributions over the past years. The success of Monday Night Football has always been about the games and will continue. On his own website, Hank Williams said he was the one who made the decision to part the ways. He said, after reading hundreds of emails, I have made my decision, he wrote, by pulling my opening October 3rd. You, ESPN, stepped on the toes of the First Amendment, the freedom of speech. So, therefore, me, my song, and all my rowdy friends are out of here. It's been a great run. Now, when Hank said on Fox News, he said Obama's adding on the links with House Speaker John Bonier, and he said, and I quote, It'd be like Hitler playing golf with Israeli Prime Minister Minister Ben Benjamin Netanyahu. I laughed when he said that. I watched that on TV when he said it. It's a great analogy. And he went on to clarify they're they're the enemy, adding that by they he meant Obama and Vice President Joe. I don't have a brain, Biden. Well, ESPN pulled Williams' opening to Monday night's Indianapolis-Tampa Bay game and issued a statement saying, while Hank Williams Jr. is not an ESPN employee, we recognize that he is closely linked to our company through the op- to the Open to Monday Night Football. We are extremely disappointed with his comments, and as a result, we have decided, decided to pull the Open 
from tonight's telecast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you stop and think about it. If you watch ESPN Sports and you watch the commentary on all their many different little shows they have, it's all politically correct. Down to the ex-baseball, football, basketball, whatever players that are now commentators, opinion makers, whatever for ESPN. We have to remember ESPN is owned by no, no other than Disney. Politically correct Disney. This is just another example of manhood going down the tube. When a man like Hank Williams can't get up there and make an analogy about a person in the White House playing golf with a speaker of the house and comparing him to Hitler on the fact that it's their enemies, just like we were enemies of Hitler in World War II. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in big trouble. When a sports program has gone political, and it has, many of the commentators on ESPN are nothing but left-wing liberals. Now, I, for one, am not going to watch Monday Night Football for the rest of the year. I am not going to do it. I'll find something else to watch. This is my protest, Gary Gatehouse's protest. I've already sent an email to ESPN and told them that I have watched Monday Night Football since the first game aired. But as of today, I am stopping. I will not support a channel, an organization, a political organization that disguises itself as a sports channel anymore. I will not watch any Monday night football. None. Nada. This is Gary Gatehouse, and we'll be back after a few commercials. This is Gary Gatehouse with the Getting After Lefty Show, and I'd like to give a big shout-out to all my friends and all my listeners up there on Facebook. Hope you're having a great day wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, and please don't forget to tune in every Friday on the www. The Getting After Lefty Show, when we get after Lefty. This is Gary Gatehouse, and you're listening to the Getting After Lefty Show, broadcasting on the GAL Network on the WWW, and broadcasting on Ghost Fighters Radio out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Tune in every Friday when Gary gets after Lefty. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of getting after Lefty lately, haven't we? And I know just want to remind folks that listen to the show. Maybe some of you folks have uh, uh, pages up on Facebook. The Getting After Lefty Show has its own forum, conservative forum up there called the Getting After Lefty Show Forum. And I welcome you, all the folks that are up there that are members, welcome you to join us. Go up there and express your opinion. Gather with, with real, true, informed conservatives that gather on the Getting After Lefty Forum. These folks that are up there are tuned in, they're educated, they're articulate, and they know what's going down. Come on up and join us. We would love to have you. Folks, now all this is going on in New York City, the malcontents. Are they just malcontents, or there is something? Is there something more to it? 
You know this Occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street. You know, is it a movement in search of a goal? The growing hordes of malcontents offer a convenient stage for anyone or any group of the cause. It's a street fair for the disenfranchised with too much time and money on their hands. You know, this may seem incompatible with one of its reoccurring themes, social and economic inequity. But hear me out, folks. The hordes that have gathered in New York, Los Angeles, Denver, Boston, etc. do not appear to be the underclass. They are not malnourished or diseased as street mobs go. They are well-dressed and appear quite comfortable, most of them. If anything, they represent the brethren in Greece. They are coddled, overpaid, and oversubsidized by the very systems they despise. If this were not the case, how in the world could they afford these extended vacations? How could they? Or maybe they're living off mommy and daddy. You know, to be sure, many are sleeping on the street and using McDonald's restrooms to to do their thing. However, many have more conventional accommodations and use their state-of-the-art pop-ups as a convenient place to hang with a crowd to whine about their lack of power, political influence, wealth, or whatever. They're a bunch of damn whiners, limp-wristed malcontents, ladies and gentlemen. That being said, the most common beef seems to be with capitalism. In fact, many are calling for the Constitution of the United States to be rewritten and the establishment of a socialist or Marxist government. These these demonstrations are being actively supported, folks, and promoted by the Socialist Party, the Communist Party USA, the Democrat Socialist of America, and a whole litany of left-wing celebrities, trade unions, Organizations and Obama retreads like former White House advisor Van Jones, a tried and true communist. Now, patriots, if we learn anything, anything at all from these protests, it is this. It is not the Constitution that needs to be scrapped. It is our union-controlled, Washington-based public education system. It is a abject failure. And these protesters serve as exhibit number one. Now I have been preaching on my show for years about the National Education Association and calling the public school system nothing more than socialist indoctrination clinics. And we can see it today on the streets of New York and other major cities in the United States, the result of these people's public school education. You know, folks, we don't know our history. We don't know world history. While our system of government is not perfect, it has provided our citizens, the citizens of the United States, all of us, with the highest standard of living in the world, while many in this country are classified by us as poor, by the world's standards, they are rich. Now I ask you this, what is wrong with our education system? 
It's not about class size, as the teachers' unions would have us to believe. It's about what is being taught, the curriculums, or what not is being taught, the history of our country, the background of the people who worked their butts off year after year, decade after decade to make this country great. It is not taught. Now, I believe here are some basics every citizen of the United States needs to know. There are only two economic systems at work in the world today. Only two. Capitalism and socialism. Under a capitalistic or free market system, people own private property. They also own the means of production. They set up the price of the goods and services they produce. They are essentially free from government regulation and control. Not so much today, but that's what capitalism is all about. Under a socialist system, the government owns the means of production. The government controls distribution. There is no private property, no private sector. The elite in the Politburo own you all, own us all cradle to grave, and that's what these so-called malcontents or whatever they are up in uh, New York City, that is what they stand by. They want socialism. They want the government to cater to them and provide the bare necessities to make them happy, happy from cradle to grave with not too much output as far as work or responsibility is concerned on their behalf. Now, those demonstrators need to answer these questions. Under which system are the people free? Under which system are people not free? Most people want which one? Governments go from a capitalist free market system to a socialist system in one of two ways. A revolution followed by a dictatorship, communism. Socialism creeps in little by little as people gradually give up their freedom in exchange for goods and services. Democratic socialism. Neither of these scenarios works out well for the governed. They work extremely well for those in charge of the government. Those in charge live like kings whether or not they have the title. Democratic socialist systems are characterized by high taxes Individuals are allowed to own property but are left with little to no money in which to acquire it. Now, the lure of taxing thy neighbor in order to have more free stuff, the government provided goods and services, is tempting. However, once the transition from capitalism to socialism is made, the average citizen winds up less, very much less. Patriots, All of us with common sense must reject those who are promoting class warfare warfare, to lead us further down the road towards socialism. And Obama's regime is doing exactly that. Patriots, we don't need a new constitution. We need to abide by the one we have. You know, the problem is in Washington. Inequity can best be resolved by a simpler, fairer tax system, one that is transparent, where everyone 
has some skin in the game. We cannot make everyone equal, but we can make sure that everyone has an equal opportunity to keep a fair portion of what he or she earns. Only then will every American citizen have an equal opportunity to succeed under a capitalist system, under our Constitution. And the bottom line is, isn't that what most of these misguided, malcontent protesters really want? Or is it? Only time will tell, folks. Now, that piece was by Jane Chaston of WND. And what she says is the truth. I injected some of my own personal thoughts in with it. But she has hit the nail on the head. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed our show today, Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. Be safe. See you back next Friday. Until then, don't forget, we're on the ghostfightersradio.com. You can hear us up there anytime, any day of the week. Gettingafterlefty.com. You can hear us up there. And don't forget to join the Getting After Lefty Facebook forum. Get up there and rub elbows with us other conservatives who know what we who know what's going on. We really do. Come on up. Have some fun. This is Gary Gethouse saying good day.